0: a copper and a good shin wag the story has real life stories to inspire and make you smile weekdays on vision and on demand in the app
1: life culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on vision
2: saturday's election is likely to be a watershed moment for christians in australia What is at stake if the values and beliefs of the entire Christian church are reclassified even as hate speech or even, as we heard yesterday on 2020, the idea of a Christian being a hate criminal? What if proposed threats to Christian and independent schools become law? And what is taught in schools looks different from the teaching found at the heart of the Bible. Well, up until now, faith-based schools and organisations have had the right to remain true to their faith. Christian experts in the education field are saying if the ALP wins Saturday's election, there'll be dramatic change, but to what extent will that change intensify, if Labor needs to depend on the Greens Party to form government. Well, this is where our conversation will go today, and we'll be talking about what to expect beyond the election. Dr Kevin Donnelly is our guest. He is Senior Research Fellow in the Faculty of Education and the Arts at the Australian Catholic University, He has strong views on education in Australia, not only in schools but universities and, more broadly, what the Christian Church teaches. He established the Education Standards Institute back in 2008 and, you might recall, he was co-head of a major review into the national school curriculum. He's also the author of a number of books, Australia's Education Revolution – Another called Why Our Schools Are Failing. Another called Dumbing Down. And yet another, How Political Correctness Is Destroying Education. Let me make a special welcome to 2020 to Dr Kevin Donnelly. Kevin, welcome. My
3: pleasure, as always, Neil.
2: Kevin, I always love your insights. They are always coloured by common sense and I know that listeners will hear a lot of this as we go through our conversation today and I don't want to leave listeners out of the conversation so we want to open our talk back lines as early as we can as we set a platform for our conversation uh, so 1-800-316-316 uh, or leave a note on our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Uh, for a lot of people even at this late stage in the lead up to an election on Saturday Kevin, uh, people are are surprised shocked uh, wondering if this is uh, some sort of uh, you know controversy that's contrived uh, something along the lines of uh, you know something made up Uh, it's like a fairy tale how could this be happening this is not what we expect in australia but it's not hard to identify a plan to to destroy religious freedom what are your thoughts about what's going on
3: it's a very real danger uh I mean as some of your listeners would know, uh around about twenty percent of students across Australia go to Catholic schools. the other twelve to fourteen percent go to religious or faith based schools, other denominations. So you've got about thirty four percent of students across Australia enrolled in religious schools. Now, parents want that choice, that choice is guaranteed by international and uh, national agreements and covenants. And up until now, these schools and other organisations, by the way, uh, religious organisations, whether it's uh, tertiary level or whether it's health, they've had the ability to discriminate in terms of who they employ and who they enrol in relation to schools, who they enrol as students, who they employ as teachers. Now, both the ALP, the Australian Labor Party, and the Greens, their official policy, and I'm not really uh, interested here in what some of the Labor politicians are saying, because I think we should look at their official policy. That policy is to get rid of those anti-discrimination laws that allow religious schools exemptions. So basically what they're saying is, you no longer, as a Catholic or an Anglican or as a non-denominational school, you'll no longer have the right to employ staff who are committed to your teachings or to enroll students who are and their families who agree with and are able to support the various teachings of that particular religion or school.
2: Kevin for the sake of context here uh, and uh, for the criticism that some have if you talk about the ALP and the Greens and uh, you know are you bashing one side and not the other uh, let's get a little bit of context here about faith based Christian schools and what the major parties plan to do Uh, is there an easy way to give us a sort of an in a nutshell idea what their plans are?
3: If you look at funding, uh, apart from the Greens, both major parties, the ALP and the Liberal National Coalition, they've agreed in terms of funding to maintain that and in some case, cases actually increase it. So when it comes to funding, uh, that's not an issue that I see as very important at the moment unless, of course, you listen to the Greens Party or the Australian Education Union and they both argue that funding should be cut to non-government schools. But if you look at the major parties, they're in agreement there about funding. Where the difficulty lies is what will happen to the current exemptions that religious schools have so that they're able to employ and enrol who they see and who people, staff, pupils who are able to agree with what the school is trying to achieve... The Liberal Coalition, National Coalition, are supporting that, even though they haven't made that explicit in terms of their response to the review of religious freedom that we had over a year or two ago. But when you look at their policy, that is more supportive of religious freedom compared to the ALP. And the other complicating factor here is that if in the Senate, which looks highly likely, there's neither majority neither major party has a majority and the ALP relies on the Greens to form government, then the Greens policy will be very influential. And the Greens definitely want to get rid of the current freedom religious schools have. And even the Labor Party, when you look at it closely, for example, they don't want to uh, appoint a religious commissioner to the Australian Human Rights Commission. They've said they won't do that So they're not going to protect religious freedom, but they will appoint an LGBTQI commissioner. So they're more interested in this radical gender and sexuality uh, agenda than what they are with defending religious freedom.
2: A very significant point you're making here and I was talking about this as I was previewing our conversation just a little earlier. The idea that if the Labor Party does come across the line and win government on Saturday as the polls all do predict... But needing to rely on the Greens for support, it's in some sense here, uh, even though there's lots to criticise about the Labour Party's platform, uh, what we're likely to see is a supercharged uh, movement towards the Greens' outcomes and what they would anticipate and the sorts of things they have in their education platform. This is one of the major things that you're drawing attention to, isn't it? This fact that uh, the Greens... Uh, providing some level of a coalition in government, if that happens, uh, that's the area that you're suspecting uh, will be disaster for Christians and Christian schools.
3: That's right. And uh, that issue is compounded by the fact that if you look at the ALP policy, for example, their policy paper on LGBTIQ, which is the radical, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, intersex queer theory, bit of a mouthful. But if you look at the Labor Party's policy, and I'll quote from it, while the changes to the Marriage Act were a giant step towards greater equality, it wasn't the end of the road. And when you you look at the ALP policy in detail, and this is something we argued during the whole debate about same-sex marriage, if you change the legislation, it's only opening the door to further radical change down the track So when you look at the Labor Party, it's clear that they want to do a lot more than just legislate for same-sex marriage. That's why they want to appoint an LGBTIQ commissioner. That's why they want to give extra funding to uh, the Human Rights Commission. And also the Labor Party, when they released their policy, they said that their changes would not impact adversely on religious schools because religious schools would still be able to operate If you change the law, that is just not true. Because if you read the Bible, if you look, uh, and I'm a Catholic, as I said, 20% of enrolments are in Catholic schools across Australia. If you look at canon law, then it's clear that religious schools must remain true to their teachings and their faith. And, for example, if you get a teacher who is publicly active in terms of promoting uh, LGBTI lifestyle, And that's a problem for the school. So if I was to rank them, I'd say Liberal National first for protecting religious freedom, ALP second, and then the Greens third.
2: Okay, let's take a little bit of a diversion in the way we're talking about these things for a few moments here, Kevin, because it uh, has become very apparent that the leaders of both of the major parties have up until this point tried to keep religion out of the campaign. <laughs> Things have been so well uh, coordinated by their minders, uh, no one's allowed to raise the <laughs> issues of religion. Well, uh, well, Scott Morrison's now accused Bill Shorten of a grubby and desperate bid uh, to alter the election agenda by introducing into the mix the conversation in the campaign, this issue of faith, and that of course comes around Israel Folau and his post and about whether people go to hell if they are in fact homosexual. So all of a sudden you've got the Prime Minister who is a Christian and of a Pentecostal flavour who's desperately not wanting to have religion brought into this Campaign at this particular point. What are your thoughts on the absence of religion in the whole campaign and the fact that people don't want to discuss these things because it'll upset uh, their campaigning strategy?
3: It's an issue uh, and a great concern to me and others that religion in this campaign has almost been banished. Uh, As you say, both major uh, party leaders are almost afraid to raise the topic, even though it's so vitally important and so significant. Now, part of the reason there, I think, is because we live in these politically correct times where there's a very strong, what I call a radical secular agenda, which is seeking to banish religion from the public square, trying to undermine religious freedom, trying to deny the fact that our political, our legal institutions are underpinned by Judeo-Christianity, especially the New Testament. What the politicians are trying to do, because I think they're worried that if they raise religion, if they defend religion, they will lose votes or be attacked, uh, certainly by the ABC and the Fairfax Press, because both those institutions are very hostile towards religion. So on one side you have the Liberal National Government holding back Because I think they're afraid of getting into uh, a public debate on an issue that they're unsettled about or not quite confident enough to raise. And on the other hand, the ALP are just quietly hoping that voters don't understand how radical and extreme their agenda is. But that won't work. As you know, we've had the whole debate about Israel Folau over the last two or three weeks. We've had Bill Shorten, the leader of the ALP uh, and I think quite, you know, quite offensively uh, raise the issue of uh, the Prime Minister's religious beliefs in saying that the Prime Minister Scott Morrison was wrong not to more uh, publicly denounce Israel Folau and not to give his view. So this issue I think in many ways is the elephant in the room but it's certainly something now that people are talking about. It's received a lot of coverage in the print media over the last week, whether the Australian or the the Herald Sun in Victoria or the Daily Telegraph. It's also receiving a lot of on-air time in terms of current affairs and news. So it's an issue which must be addressed, and I'm uh, very happy that, in fact, Neil, that you're doing so much to get this debate out there so that voters are informed as to what the issues are in this regard.
1: Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
2: Dr. Kevin Donnelly is our guest. We are talking through some pretty serious issues, the looming disaster awaiting Christian schools beyond Saturday's election. Talk back line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen, 316 316 and you can leave a note on our Facebook page. Before we take some calls, though... Kevin, the radical secular agenda that you referred to in the last segment there, this is not just on the ALP and Greens side too, is it? Because even though we're talking about having a Christian Prime Minister on the conservative side of politics, there are factions within that side and some of those almost equally as... Uh, as vigorous in their push for this secularism. What are your, your thoughts quickly on, uh, as we talk, conservative side of politics before we take a call or two? You,
3: you, you mentioned previously uh, that I co-chaired the review of the national curriculum uh, 2014. We did that. And at the time it was a Liberal national government and uh, Christopher Pine was the Minister for Education, obviously a Liberal from uh, South Australia who's since retired but we recommended very strongly based on hundreds of submissions, hundreds of interviews that there be a greater focus on Judeo-Christianity in subjects like history or music or art or literature because it's impossible to understand western civilization, australian culture without a recognition that Christianity has been so influential whether it's literature or art and music or our political system. But we were very uh, discouraged uh, the other person who co-chaired it, when in fact the Liberal government did nothing really to implement that recommendation. So the national curriculum which is compulsory across Australia all the states and territories is still very secular. And I've made the point that nearly every subject across kindergarten to year 10, every subject has to be taught about uh, through an indigenous perspective. Now whether it's Aboriginal history, spirituality, culture. Every subject has to have that Indigenous perspective and there's nothing there about Christianity.
2: And that ought to send a shiver down the spine of every Christian uh, knowing that even when there is some light at the end of a dark tunnel, the review and then to have that disappointment uh, when the review does not amount to any change to the national curriculum. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Jenny is in Bunbury in WA. Hello, Jenny. Welcome along. Thank you. Jenny, what are your thoughts?
0: Um, Freedom of speech, and I'm just um, asking all your listeners, you know, Christians need to pray that we really are highlighted when we go into the polling booth on who to vote for. Particularly independent, those who have a Christian voice that will speak against all these changes?
2: Jenny, you're you're talking about highlighting who to vote for and uh, yes. what's going through my mind as you mention that is the fact that in Christian circles uh, we tend not to say to people openly uh, who you should vote for and, uh, and I can understand the position of Christian leaders when they say that. I think today you're probably getting an impression uh, there's some sort of guidance in who not to vote for but uh, Kevin Donnelly, what are your thoughts for Jenny in Bunbury?
3: It's a very difficult uh, one to answer. You can, if you have the internet and you're able to go on the World Wide web, as we used to call it, you can look at the major political parties. Hopefully, that will give you an idea of where they stand. It's more difficult when you look at independence, but if you do live in that electorate where there is an independent, then I would be talking to uh, them, either giving them a ring or trying to find out where their office is. I certainly would be, when I go into the polling booth on Saturday, whenever it might be, some people have voted before uh, or will vote before Saturday, I'd be asking uh, the workers who are handing out the cards, how to vote cards, a direct question. What is your candidate's view about freedom of speech, freedom of religion? And so I would hope that then you might get a straightforward answer. But it is a difficult one, as I say. The major parties are quite clear as to what they want to achieve. Uh, Particular independence might be more difficult to find out.
2: Jenny, thank you so much for your call. Let's take another WA call. Graham on the line from Coolgardie. Hello, Graham. Welcome along. Almost Coolgardie, Kalgoorlie. Oh, you're in Kalgoorlie. Great. Okay, my note said Coolgardie, but uh, let, what's your uh, what's your uh, thought today?
3: Uh, two two thoughts. Firstly, uh, the fact that uh, uh, Bill Shorten has tried to make an issue of uh, the Prime Minister's uh, uh, religion, I think, is absolutely disgraceful. Um, the Prime Minister uh, doesn't actually have to tell the world how he thinks on anything
4: in relation
3: to his religion. It is quite separate from um, his responsibility as the Prime Minister of Australia. But more important than that, I just encourage people to go back in history of Morrison and have a look at the wonderful things that he's done in his life up to this point in time, and then do a a search on Google on Shorten, and find out the disgraceful things that this man has done over time.
2: Uh, Graham, you're making some good points there in comparison. A thought or two from Kevin Donnelly? It's a difficult
3: one. Uh, I mean, I've always thought you should judge people by their actions, not always by their words. So, uh, as my uh, wife Julia says, deeds count. But it's difficult when you get into political life because we don't want to attack people or criticise people because in the past they may have done something which is unacceptable or that we don't like. I mean, I prefer the battle of ideas. I prefer to look at what the policies are. But notwithstanding that, I think it's a fair enough point to make. If a particular voter wants to look at the character of the... Prime Minister and the potential Prime Minister then that is up to them and obviously people do lead different lives people do have different outcomes in terms of marriage or careers or children for example but I think we have to be very careful there that we don't uh, criticise or disparage people because we don't agree and I think it was wrong for example when Julia Gillard was criticised for not having children And, uh, you know, I think that's wrong. That's her choice. She chose a political career, and I think that's well and good.
2: Uh, Kevin Donnelly is with us. And, Kevin, there's a lot of calls lined up to make a comment uh, now. But before we do, uh, just a quick thought or two. On this issue and all of this, when we talk about freedom of religion, it all starts with freedom of speech. You've been writing about this of recent times. Uh, give us some reflection on your thoughts on the value of freedom of speech.
3: I, uh, when I was a teacher, I taught literature for many years, and George Orwell was one of my favourite authors. And he has a very good uh, argument, uh, George Orwell, and I'll quote him, He says, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. I mean, it's all very well for people in the media or politicians uh, to tell people that everything's okay, we agree with you, uh, everything's fine, uh, don't worry about it. But in fact, real liberty, freedom, depends on a debate, a dialogue, where you often get disagreement, where you often uh, argue the case. And that's what I think is so good about a Western liberal-style democracy. Uh, Obviously, Australia, we inherited that from England or the United Kingdom. We have not just the right to vote, to freedom of assembly, freedom of the press, but we have the right to speak our minds. And I think that is critical. The danger here for Christians is because of this radical secular agenda. There's been a move over the last, I'd say, 20, 30 years to actually silence any Christian voices. And we saw that in Australia the last year during the same-sex marriage debate where Archbishop Portius in Tasmania was uh, threatened with uh, being fined, taken before the Human Rights Commission, for simply distributing the uh, Catholic uh, booklet about... Don't mess with marriage, it was called. So Archbishop Porteus was threatened. Uh, Margaret Court, obviously. Uh, Israel Folau more recently. So we now have a situation, and even the Prime Minister, as you mentioned previously, uh, Scott Morrison, where it appears to be he's being attacked for his Christian beliefs. What's happening? We're losing that freedom of speech and that is one of the underpinnings of a free and democratic society and I think that's a great concern.
2: We're going to take some calls and we'll try and get through calls quickly so uh, just a little forewarning uh, quick comments and or question and uh, we'll get some quick responses. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan in Queensland. Hello Robin, welcome.
0: Yes, hello. <clears throat> Look, um, I I just keep in all of this, I just keep on thinking of Nazi Germany, how quickly everything in all areas of society were forced into conforming to Nazi beliefs and ideals, which quickly led to mass murder and mayhem. And um, then, you know, the Nazis took control of the education, the media, the religion, etc., etc., Now, I know that Australia has different um, issues and whatever, but the best picture that you can find of what is happening is from a spiritual aspect. We are in a spiritual, not just a spiritual battle, but we're in a spiritual war where um, the devil is wanting to take over because it's only to the extent that a society is built around God in people's hearts that there is healthy um, living relationships and that we are productive in the way that we should be. And so, you have a look at every pagan, um, you know, community or well, what, if you, what do you call them in the, um, in the old days and whatever. It, you know, nobody would want to live in such a uh, thing. And Jezebel is the. Uh, Robin, um, the you're the making the some great picture.
2: points there. <laughs> nobody would want to live in the sort of environment that we're heading towards. Uh, your thoughts for Robin uh, quickly, Kevin.
3: Uh, uh, A very good uh, comment uh, made by Robin, so thank you for phoning in. When you look at George Orwell, he obviously wrote Animal Farm as well, and that was based on his experience of uh, communism, both in Spain, the Spanish Civil War, but also Stalin in Russia. So the argument that I'd put is that we can be threatened by totalitarian regimes, whether they're fascist or communist. Now, the interesting point here, and I write about this in how political correctness is destroying Australia, is that some years ago in Europe at a a university, the Frankfurt School, they argued, and these were people who were communists uh, or Marxists, they'd argue that they would never win at the barricades, that if you look at Europe or England or America or Australia... There would never be a revolution as there was in Russia or uh, in China under Mao. But what they decided all these years ago was to take the long march through the institutions. So what's happened in Australia in particular is more insidious. It's not obvious in a sense of people taking to the streets. It's more about the cultural left with this radical secular agenda taking over what is taught in our schools, what happens at university, what happens in the media, and you only have to look at the ABC and the Fairfax press. So what's happening is uh, what I call the culture wars. We're having uh, a, a, a debate, a battle. It's not physical in the sense of mounting the barricades, but it's, I would argue, just as vital, just as important for good Christians to understand that if we vacate the public square, if we don't argue, stand up for our beliefs, then we've lost the battle even before we engage in it.
2: Thank you so much, Robin, in Mount Morgan. Let's take another call. Bill on the line from Ararat in Victoria. Hi, Bill. Welcome.
5: Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, Look, we complain about not teaching Western civilization, and we, we blame the heathen for it But in actual fact, it's the Christian church. We have not got any doctrinal teaching from Genesis to Revelation on the government. God established the government to take care of education and marriage. And we have let the heat. So we're really shutting the gate after the horse has bolted instead of being up front like this was a Christian country. Abortion was against the law and all the rest of it, all these ills. And now they're all upon us and we're being taken over. But we're not being taken over. We're actually relinquishing our freedom that God give us, and we're letting the, Satan have it, and that's about what it boils down to. So until we get back to the Bible, it's a waste of time praying that God will rise, raise up righteous rulers if we reject, if we don't know what his actual word is said. And I'm happy to say the pastors... Bill, you're
2: making some perfect? great points here, and you're <laughs> saying it's not so much a revolution that's taking us over, we're actually relinquishing what we've had and the benefits that we've held previously. A thought from Kevin Donnelly, it is a very a
3: very difficult issue uh i wrote an article a year or two ago uh, and i called it, it it's a difficult time to be a christian because even uh whether it's at work or public life or even with friends uh, around the barbecue or or when you're out at a restaurant it is a very difficult time to uh say to people publicly that i am a christian i i believe in the new testament These are the issues that I think are important, and this is why. Now, part of that obviously is because of the whole uh, evil nature of pedophilia and what's happened with the Royal Commission. But a lot of that, I think, in fact, uh, you know, evaded the real issues. It was more people used it as an opportunity to denigrate and vilify and attack the church and religion. But it is a difficult time. But my view has always been publicly, and this is why I write, this is why I go on uh, TV and the radio, that if you have a conviction, a belief in God, in the in sense of the spiritual and moral values, you must be forceful. You must be willing to articulate, to debate. And I've been attacked, I've been abused. Uh, uh, everything from homophobic to transphobic to Islamophobic, worst of all being a Christian but if we don't enter the debate as I say we've lost it before we begin <laughs>
2: Okay, let's continue to take some calls. Thank you so much. Let's hear from Janice in Melbourne. Hello, Janice. Welcome along. Hi.
4: Look, um, thank you. The first thing I want to say is that um, our almighty God, he, he takes everything bad and he turns it to good for our glory story of my life. Um, and and I, I've listened to Vision for many years now, and I've learned a lot of things. And one of the things that I can recall is that the underground Christians in China, I are praying for persecution in Australia, and to build our faith. And so I, I sort of see is is that coming? Is is that what's happening for us? Now, whatever happens on Saturday, I think we all need to stand firm on our faith. That no matter what, God will come through. And I understand we're a Christian community. We're speaking on the Christian values here. Now, when we talk about religion, religious freedom what are the Muslims saying about this? Like, what are they saying? They have many schools down here in Melbourne. So w- what's their conversation? And you know, I,
2: I, I, suspect, I suspect those Muslims are uh, uh, equally concerned because uh, they don't take lightly the idea of having their freedoms trampled on these I- issues either. Uh, a quick response here from Kevin Donnelly.
3: Uh, Well, it's very true. It's not just uh, the debates we're having about religious freedom and uh, whether it's same-sex marriage or abortion or uh, the LGBTQI agenda. That is not restricted just to Christians, obviously, uh, uh, Muslims in particular, even though there are fewer Muslims living in Australia compared to Christians. They do have a view and uh, and I'm quite happy and, and they should be able to
2: put that view. Thank you so much for your call. Uh, that was uh, for Janice. Let's take another one, uh, Jonathan in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome.
5: Yes, hello, Neil. You know when we are talking about these things, uh, we sometimes we, uh, I don't know what the Christian they are standing in their position. You know we are we are neutral. We don't want to please position anything in everything about our protection, our guidance.
2: Jonathan, uh, lines just breaking up a little bit there. You're saying though that Christians tend not to take a position; we re- we remain neutral. Uh, that's the way I suppose those who are attacking us want us to be. A quick thought from Kevin.
3: Well, I think we've uh, you know we've talked about that to a degree. Uh, it is difficult to be a Christian and to be public about that uh, and to, you know, get into a debate or a disagreement and to try and rely on your faith or, or what God tells us. But my belief very strongly is that if you abrogate your responsibility as a Christian to argue from that point of view, then I think you're, you really are turning your back on your religion and so it, it's beholden on, on Christians to actually stand up for their beliefs and in the public square in particular uh, to enter that debate and to try and bring about a better Australia. I mean, for all this talk about how, you know, a secular agenda is so uh, successful, you only have to look in Australia at the rates of uh, youth suicide, depression, anxiety, at the number of abortions every year, at the fact that uh, increasingly people are leading lives that are very materialistic, uh, narcissistic, ego-driven. If you don't have that spiritual nourishment, then I think it's obvious what happens
2: to a society. Thank you so much to Jonathan. Let's take one more call. John in Somerset in Tasmania. Hello, John. Welcome.
5: Hello. uh, Neil and Kevin... I oh, he couldn't help noticing in recent days that hell seems to have made the election campaign <laughs> headlines. Yes, and um, I'm one of those people, uh, and I think Kevin must be too, uh, that uh, believe the way things are in Australia, the country is in many respects ethically and spiritually going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, people who claim to recite the creed every so often when they go to church uh, may have some problems with the curia liaison and with that part of the creed uh, that uh, states that our lord is coming to uh, judge, coming again to earth to judge the living and the dead
2: uh, john good thoughts there and uh, let's a, th- a thought or two from kevin on this important issue here
3: well, firstly, I'm not a theologian. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a, a, you know, an educator who was raised as a Catholic, uh, and and you know, I've been thinking about this a lot uh, because there was a, an argument on on ABC Radio just recently where the announcer said, "Well, obviously there is no hell. It's uh, a childish, you know, nightmare. It doesn't exist, and and Christians have got it wrong." But I think, you know, after thinking about that and based on the fact that that our son, God bless him, James was killed in a hit-and-run accident and the the person who did that denied it and spent a year arguing he never did it and never apologised. And when I looked at how this person acted, I thought, well, look, there is evil in the world. There are people who, you know, gone to the devil. I don't mean that literally, uh, but metaphorically, there are people who uh, are not with God in that sense. And so for, for me, hell is, is not a literal thing, you know, like Dante's Inferno. But it is a place without God and where people, because of the decisions they've made, because of the life they've led, have uh, put themselves in that position. <laughs>
2: Okay. Thank you so much to John in Somerset for your thoughts. And uh, for the record, uh, I do believe in a literal hell. And it's interesting when John quotes uh, from the creeds, you know, that Jesus is returning to judge the quick or the living and the dead. And uh, there is an eternal punishment. And there is a certain sense I suspect here, Kevin, this idea that uh, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom and the teaching on hell as being one of those things that perhaps is a little unknown and all we know is what the Bible teaches about that, but uh, a healthy appreciation that God is the judge And that uh, when we talk about God being good, of course, uh, he wants the good for us, but he is a holy God too and a just God. And when we assume that there is a punishment for the unjust, uh, then that gives us a starting point for the wisdom that we might have for our lives. So uh, just to add that little bit in there, and I know that there'll be different positions on uh, the issue of hell, but uh, let's get back to our conversation before we get off onto a complete tangent here. (laughs) Kevin, uh, when we talk about the threat... Uh, the challenge that is ahead of us, a looming disaster, as we started talking about a little earlier, I suspect one of the key things that would happen almost immediately if there is an ALP Greens coalition will be the resurgence of what we all know as the Safe Schools Program or something that will look similar with a different name. What are your thoughts for what's likely to happen if there is an ALP Greens win on Saturday?
3: Well, one of the most, uh, you know, concerning things for me, and looking at the various policies of, uh, in particular, the ALP and the Greens, the Greens uh, have have clearly stated they want to return. To the safe schools program nationally and if there is a coalition between the greens and the alp i'm sure one of the conditions will be from the greens party that this program be reintroduced now it was a program that was supported by labor and liberal governments and and that also of concern but when the uh liberal government found out about it they had a review And over the last year or two, that program has fallen away. No longer is it being implemented, except in Victoria, a version is back now with the Andrews government. But if there is a change of government, I'd be very concerned... And what will happen is, I'm sure that a a ALP Greens coalition would make as a condition of funding that if you're a religious or a faith-based school, and if you want Commonwealth funding, then you will have to teach their curriculum. And the danger will be that that will include safe schools, who you uh, know Ros Ward, who helped design it, even she admits it's not about bullying, anti-bullying. It's about a neo-Marxist radical view of gender fluidity.
2: And what we're talking about in all of this is the challenge that will come beyond Saturday. Uh, There's a challenge for us all to research carefully how we will cast a vote On Saturday, Uh, the whole focus of uh, what appears to be happening here, uh, Kevin, this idea of banishing religion from the public square, that's why this is a watershed moment in Australia's history with this coming Saturday's election, because uh, what happens beyond Saturday could mark the history into the future, and uh, we could be talking decades, even generations ahead. Uh, What are your thoughts for the ramifications of getting things wrong this weekend?
3: Uh, Well, I think, um, Neil, you've actually hit hit the nail on the head that uh, we have to be very concerned in a practical sense as to what happens after the election if there is a change of government, because when you look at the policies of the ALP and the Greens, it's clear that they will strengthen the role of the Human Rights Commission uh, in terms of enforcing 18C and... uh, that particular part of the act, which will make it illegal, uh, you'll be fined, uh, you'll be taken before the commission. And the problem there is that the cultural left, as I call it, their definition of hate speech is so broad that anybody, for example, who who argues against uh, same-sex marriage, like Archbishop Porteous did, anybody who argues against late-term abortions, anybody who argues... Uh, Against, uh, you know, same-sex marriage, extending that to uh, in- encompass the full range of different genders and sexualities, those people, if there is a change of government, will be open to even more threat. <laughs>
2: Well, Kevin, I want to thank you so much for making time available to share these thoughts with us. And for listeners who'd like to see or read more of what Kevin has to say on these things, uh, you could simply Google Kevin Donnelly and no doubt you'll come up with a lot of uh, different uh, responses there on your Google search. Uh, But uh, the website I'd point you to is edstandards.com.au and no doubt there'll be uh, links there to articles. uh, Um, I'm just,
3: if I could... Darnell, sure. yep.
2: Sorry to interrupt. That web page
3: is being re- rebuilt, so it's not available okay. at the What's
2: the best way for listeners to, uh, to connect with you in that sense of uh, reading some of your articles or getting a hold of your books, Kevin?
3: The best way is to, as you say, type in Kevin Donnelly, how political correctness is destroying Australia. That's one of the most recent books, and there's a chapter there about safe schools and about uh, the need to defend Christianity against this secular agenda. So the best book would be How Political Correctness is Destroying Australia.
2: Kevin Donnelly, uh, always humbled to talk to you and always refreshed with your down-to-earth approach to these things. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, honouring God in the way that you talk through issues to do with education and in the future of Australia. And uh, thank you so much, Kevin Donnelly. And thanks to all those listeners who called in. And uh, I must say there's been quite a lot of comments on our Facebook page. And, uh, Kevin, you feel free to uh, check through some of those comments. I'm sure listeners would love to hear from you personally. Weren't able to, to draw a lot of close attention to those comments today, but there might be more that listeners might like to make as the conversation continues through the day. Kevin Donnelly, thanks for joining us on 2020. My pleasure.